On this episode of the After Timeout Podcast, we are joined by Brandon Bailey, assistant basketball coach for the Detroit Pistons. We talked to Coach Bailey about working as a G League head coach, his multiple roles in the NBA, working with Brad Stevens, and much, much more. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout Podcast. going to here we go all right coach so we wanted to hit on your experience with Reebok as an intern um you know we that's very unique we haven't really had any guests come on that kind of talked about their their internship with a a basketball shoe company so if you kind of just want to take our listeners maybe through the experience uh, in the shoe game and then maybe something you learned from that that you've taken into coaching yeah, so, um, you know, I knew, I w- again, I wanted to be a coach um, for a long time. So, um, you know, college basketball at the time was probably a little bit bigger than um, the NBA. So I remember always reading, um, you know, stories about or reading books, you know, like Raw Recruits, uh, Soul Influence, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, having an opportunity to to work for Sonny, you know, work for Chris Rivers, um, because of that was a, a big dream come true, just being able to kind of be behind the curtain, um, you know, kind of see how all that stuff um, worked and played out. Um, you know, I was at, you know, ABCD, um, his camp, uh, round ball, the round ball classic, um, and his big time tournament in Vegas, and just kind of being a runner, you know, just helping out wherever I could, um, you know, ran, uh, you know, like their little lounge area, um, and ABCD, which is like kind of where games and stuff like that were. So again, just kind of being um, a gopher, just kind of being a fly on the wall, just being a help wherever I could and just kind of hoping that, um, you know, that might open an opportunity to, uh, um, you know, a college program at some point down the road. And those guys were great for me. Chris, uh, Chris Rivers, you know, he was uh, one of Sonny's guys and took over for Reebok and eventually um, Adidas, um, you know, really took care of me, tried to uh, promote me um, at different camps and kind of got me in the mix with some drills and um, actually got me in on a couple of camps in the Chicagoland area where they moved their version of ABCD when Sonny left uh, there. So, um, you know, made some connections, you know, with, uh, you know, through ABCD and, and Sonny and Chris and, um, you know, kind of again, just another step forward, just another thing that, um, helped, you know, propel me to, to my next stop. You know, it it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. All right. So we'll go right down the order. Uh, this first part here is kind of about your experiences because I think they're really interesting. Like we said, um, then you kind of moved on to to Tim Grover. Um, right. Obviously anybody in Chicago land knows the name Tim Grover. Anybody across basketball knows the name Tim Grover. Um, you know, and he's, when you listen to him and you read his books, he's big on mindset and, and, and a lot of those things. Um, so maybe what are some of those things about the mindset and the players he worked with and their mindset? Did you kind of, kind of use in, in working with your players, right? Uh, of all different yeah. skills, right? Cause sometimes some of those really elite guys have just that different mentality, right? And you got to kind of coach them different. You got to coach everybody different. And then, you know, skill development wise and physical development wise, um, some of the things you might have might have learned from him, maybe to to do, but maybe not to do as much as to do. Yeah, you know, at that time, you know, I, the program was the pro game was something that wasn't, you know, was completely foreign to me. Um, you know, I got the opportunity because, um, again, for Reebok, you know, um, the Illinois Wolves at the time were a Reebok team and um, Sammy Maniscalco who played for St. Pat's um, where my dad coached for coaches. Um, that's where Sammy played. He played for the Wolves. So at all the tournaments that I'd be helping out at, I'd be kind of following them around, just kind of uh, watching Sammy. I've known Sammy for a really long time, him and, him and Carl. And um, so I got to know Mike, Mike Mullins uh, with the Wolves program. Um, and through him, met Mike Procopio. Uh, Mike was Tim's head of player development at the time. And Mike 
on the spot, just kind of gave me an intern position with them. Uh, Tim was just opening up his attack athletic center. Um, so I was there on the very first day it opened. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I learned from both him and Mike, Tim and Mike, you know, really learned the program, how to, how to work with players on a day-to-day basis. Um, like you're talking about the mindset of them and what they're kind of looking for. Um, you know, learned how to cut up film, put edits together in terms of um, the teaching progression, especially, you know, simplifying it at a, at a pro um, type of level. But, you know, like I'd say outside of basketball, the, like the biggest thing I learned from Tim and the biggest takeaway I had was just his attention to detail and the pride uh, he had in just making sure you know, everything in that place ran smoothly. You know, he started that thing uh, from scratch and he did everything. You know, I mean, I was an intern for them as well. There were some things that I did, but I mean, Tim opened the gym, cleaned it, worked players out uh, in the weight room, worked players out on the court, you know, made sure they were all fed. Um, you know, it was hard work for him to keep that gym running and running on time because he was essentially doing a lot of it by himself. Um, but, you know, no job was too big, uh, that something that he couldn't handle, and no job was too small for him. Um, and I really try to take that uh, with me every single day. Like, I just – it's always just burned in my mind. Just Here's Tim Grover. You know, he's worked with Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Scottie Pippen, Kim Olajuwon, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. You know, I can go on and on and on. And he's pushing trash cans around, picking up trash on the ground. And that just, like, burned into my mind. You know, there's a lot of things, um, you know, that I learned, especially from a basketball standpoint there. Um, but to me, like, what's really uh, lasted with me is just that image of him, you know, like nothing was too small that he that he could not or that he wasn't able to do or eager to do and nothing was too big that he couldn't handle like he never looked rattled um you know never uh uh you know felt like there wasn't anything too small for him to do um you know i try to take that with me you know everywhere that i that i've been and everywhere that i go you know nothing's too small nothing's too big you know I I think that's well said. I think it it kind of goes along with that famous saying: talk to the CEO the same way you would talk to the the custodian of the of the corporation. I I think that's very well said. Um, yeah. So not to not to build build on the uh, the experience uh, the experience trifecta we got going here with with Sonny Vaccaro and Tim Grover, but you know you and I talked about uh, off air about about Brad Stevens and. You know, I'm, I've always been a longtime uh, Brad Stevens fan. And so just kind of just take us through what it was like for you to, um, you know, get to work for the the Celtics, especially just your specifically your experience along with Coach Stevens. Um, well, number one, like the Celtics in and of itself is a special, special place with special people. Um, yes, Brad and Danny. Uh, Mr. Grosbeck, uh, the owner, Mr. Pagliuca, those guys are at the top, but I mean, they're everybody in that organization is top notch people. Um, I consider a lot of them, even to this day, um, part of my family. Um, you know, with Brad, you know, it's everything you think it would be, you know. Um, you know, it's a constant learning experience um, from the way. He prepared for practice, for games, the way he spoke to the team after a tough loss, um, and what he said to the media after a big win. You know, all that stuff is is obviously just off the charts. A lot of people see that, you know, especially with the media and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the way he can simplify everything defensively and make something that is super complex seem very simple and doable. but, you know, the, the biggest thing I felt like with Brad was um, his belief in you as a player or his belief in you as a coach. Um, you know, not a lot of people, you know, believed in a guy like Isaiah Thomas, you know, 
and Brad, you know, sees what you can be, um, you know, makes you believe in what he believes and just gives you confidence in that every single day. You know, I mean, when I was with him um, at the very beginning, you know, I never saw myself as anything more than a video coordinator or maybe at some point like an advanced scout or, you know, I felt like maybe um, I'd go back and work as an assistant at St. Pat's or, or whatever it was, you know, um, but he really pushed me. He really believed in me. Um, you know, he gave me amazing opportunities as a, as a video coordinator to do, um, you know, defensive scouts. Like I would have a third of the teams in the NBA for walkthroughs, for film sessions, for uh, post-game film. You know, I'd have installations, again, all as a video coordinator. Um, you know, that's not common really anywhere, you know. Um, and he, you know, you know, put me on as, as, the, as the head coach of the, of the G League team as well. Again, not, never an experience I thought I would ever have in my life. And, you know, it was all because of him, you know, everything. I wouldn't be speaking to you guys right now, um, you know, if it wasn't for him and his belief in me. I feel like that's the biggest takeaway, you know, from him. Like, yes, it's everything you think it would be um, in terms of a basketball standpoint. But that's the biggest thing that, um, you know, that I take with it, take with it, take with from him every single day. Um, and I'll forever be indebted to him. Um, my entire life. All right. So we're going to get a little basketball-y now. We call this halftime adjustments. We're just going to take you through a little yeah, scenario. This one's I'm not. Getting a little sappy. I'm getting a little sappy. So let's go. Oh, let's you're good. You're good. Awesome. No, that's that's all <laughs> awesome stuff. I think like it's so, so many experiences like and pe different people do different things. And, you know, as you go through, you got to kind of find your own way, but you can take all those things and make it, make it your own. So it's, it's good for our listeners to hear that, but. All right, so you're you're in halftime. Second quarter buzzer goes off. Um, I want to get, we're hoping you to take us through like a NBA halftime. Like, you know, how does it start as your meetings with coaches? What are we getting to the players? Um, you know, how are we talking about how are you guys talking about adjustments, things you want to do, things you knew better? Just kind of take us through the halftime process um at an NBA halftime yeah I mean obviously it really starts in the first half right I mean obviously you know just in order to understand what's going on in the game um you know for myself um you know I chart every single possession defensively so you know what's really going on in um in a given possession um you know are they beating you on individual defense is it post defense is it um pick and roll? Is it catch and shoot? Is it handoffs? You know, so and I chart it. So I have a good understanding of, of really what's happening. Um, you know, kind of takes the emotion out of it. Um, you know, and it kind of gives your head coach kind of raw data in terms of like, Hey, this is what's really happening. This is what's giving us problems. They've scored X amount of points on post defense. They've scored only this amount of points on pick and roll defense. We really got to hammer home. Um, you know, whatever our post coverage is, just like for an example. Um, and then from there, you know, in the NBA, at least, uh, we have access to video um, on the sideline. So, you know, whether I have a computer or a video coordinator has a computer, just kind of pulling clips on what we're seeing and um, potential things to show the team at halftime. Um, and again, you're trying to find themes, right? You're not just trying to throw a bunch of things at the wall you're trying to find you know maybe one or two things you can kind of say okay we're gonna get better at this um in the second half so from there we you know we meet as a staff um for coach stevens you know he would watch the edit um it'd probably be about 10 clips um on stuff to show and he'd be like okay pull um clip one clip four clip five okay that's what we're going to show the team um, you know, as that's going on, as he's watching, you know, we're as assistants kind of, um, you know, delicately putting, you know, what we're seeing in the game. So we don't want to interrupt maybe what he's watching, but 
also kind of showing or you know him what we're seeing um and then you know kind of going out there and then he articulates that message and his message to the team um yeah i wouldn't say it's you know outside of the video i don't think it's super complex it's probably pretty common to um you know what people see in high school or college or you know you know things like that so I want to follow up a little bit on that, Ben. You talked about we've talked to a lot of different coaches, and some some coaches are like, "Hey, you know," and obviously NBA is a little bit different, right? But hey, we're gonna do what we're gonna do, um, and this is how we're gonna do it. Um, you know, when you guys get into it, let's just use you mentioned post defense, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's killing you. You're you're just not whatever your post defense isn't working, right? You have different different coverages and things like that is it more for I guess and it depends on where you are but is it more hey we just have to do what we do better or is it hey we have to try a different coverage you know, you know what I mean because a lot of coaches we've talked to yeah. said, hey th- we're just this is what we do we're going to keep it simple and we just got to do it better so how, how do you kind of look at that situation yeah I'd say it's similar you know um you know we want to be a a master of a few or like, you know, one out of, of everything, you know, um, you know, especially with our schedule, um, it's hard to change what you're doing on a game to game basis. Um, so we try to keep it as very, uh, very simple as, as much as we possibly can, um, in order for our guys to have a clear understanding of what their responsibilities are. And then all they have to do is go out and execute that and, you know, play with multiple efforts and finish plays and, and, uh, and things like that. You know, I'd say it's very rare that, you know, in my past experience, you know, I'm going to see how this, how it goes this year. Um, but I feel like it'll be very similar is it's going to be very rare that we change what we do. Um, you know, if anything, we'll just change a matchup to fit what we do, you know, um, you know, what matchups give us the best chance to execute um, our system, um, you know, without compromising it as best we can, you know. Um, so, like, for example, you know, we switch one through four at the time uh, or in the past and are more like a maintain coverage, nice and weak um, and pick and roll with our fives, our bigs. Um, so if there's ever, but there, if there's ever a moment where we can put our four on the opposing teams, five and the five on, you know, an average or below average player, you know, we would do that, you know? Um, so I I think, you know, I'm not saying we would never make adjustments, right? Like there's some players you have to make adjustments for like an Embiid, um, a Durant, um, you know, guys like that um Jokic to some extent but I'd say pretty regularly we're not changing what we're doing you know um in a walkthrough in a film session on the opponent it's more about personnel and what our system looks like against their offense um you know more than anything else so long-winded answer to your question you know it would just be more so you know, if there's a problem with an individual matchup or uh, coverage, it's more about do it better, change the personnel, right? So sub, right? And then do it better again, and then it would be change. You know, it, you know, be again, it's very rare that we would do something drastic as to change our system dramatically because our system, in our in our opinion, um, was built to beat the best teams and we wanted to stick with that because we felt like that was going to give us our best opportunity to win um, when it mattered, you know, so. I, I, uh, I, the last thing you said, coach, I, I really wanted to emphasize, which was when you just said very clearly, very plainly, and I think it's good for our listeners to just hear the sentence, our system, in our opinion, was built to beat the best teams. And I think that that it's just such a simple way to put it. As a coach, I think if you can't say my system is here to try to beat the best teams, I think that's when you really have to reevaluate your system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, every year, you know, I think you have to ask yourself three questions, you know, um, does your system allow us to keep opponents out of the paint? Does our system allow us to beat the best teams in the NBA, which consequently then would, does your system allow you to advance in the playoffs? You know, regular season basketball is a little bit different than, than playoffs. You may be able to get away with a few different things. You may be able to get away with certain personnel um, in the regular season. Um, you know, does our system allow us to do that? You know, and that's by, you know, studying the playoffs, studying the best teams. And then, you know, you also have to make sure that it all fits right. And that it all um, makes sense. You know, like you don't want to contradict yourself on, on different types of plays. And, you know, it's not like, well, in this situation, we're going to do this. In this situation, we're going to do that. Um, you know, it has to all fit and all be simple enough for them to execute and they don't have to think as much. Um, but at the same time, it has to be um, good enough to advance as well. So the biggest right. thing with all that, though, obviously, is who is executing that system. You know, I, I think it's obviously obvious component to that. And I think the three questions you just asked, I think those could be used for a college team, a high school team, a youth team. I mean, just the yeah. simplicity of does your system allow you to, you know, keep your opponents out of the paint? Does your system allow you to beat the best teams? And does your system allow you to advance in whatever postseason, whether it's March Madness in Illinois or the NBA playoffs? Yeah, it, it's it, it's a little it's probably more difficult I'd say at the high school and college level, just because personnel is changing so rapidly every single year. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right though. Like there should be some trends um, in terms of what successful defense looks like, you know, what typically wins in your conference, you know, what wins like, you know, it may be as simple as like, you know, we take away the three-point line, you know, we're going to win, you know, more often than not. And designing a defense that does that, you know, or if you have, it's, you know, more, um, you know, post-heavy in your conference or, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? I think it's, I think it's important to keep evaluating every year um, who's coming in on the opposing teams, um, what adjustments you may need to make to your system because of that and it's probably it's more probably a little bit more difficult at those levels because of the change of personnel but yeah certainly certainly uh applicable for sure so we wanted to get in a little bit you know you mentioned briefly your experience with the g league and um you know it was it was somewhat of your first experience as maybe a head coach of your own team um so i kind of want to break this question into a little bit of two parts um, first of all, when you first took over a G League, uh, G League team for you, kind of what was that experience like? And then also for you, you know, maybe some things as a head coach, maybe what were some things that you may not have been ready for? Oh, geez. Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I went from being, um, the video coordinator to being a head coach of a professional basketball team. That was it was uh, difficult, but it was like um, outstanding for my development and my career. Um, you know, I said it earlier with with uh, with working for Coach Bruno, but the same thing applies. Like I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, um, I felt pretty good about from a basketball standpoint, at least of what I was trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I was trying to do everything that Brad did. Uh, with the Celtics because we were the, you know, um, the G League team of theirs. So, you know, I wanted to make sure we echoed what they did. So if we got assignments or, you know, we were trying to get guys called up to them, you know, things would be very fluid and things like that. And I also really believed in, uh, you know, obviously really believed in all that stuff um, offensively and defensively. So I felt I felt pretty good about that because I had a good, a, a good uh, base and background um, with all that stuff. And, especially defensively. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I, I did a lot of, I did, you know, installs and um, had scouts and film sessions and stuff like that. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, and the biggest thing was like, 
management of, of the people, you know, whether that was um, players, your own staff, um, uh, even management, um, you know, media to some extent. There wasn't a whole lot of media, but, you know, some. Um, so just, you know, the whole people management and all that stuff. I'm very, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much an introverted, I have, have an introvert personality. So, um, you know, I had to really kind of get out of the box or out of my shell um, and kind of, you know, to try to uh, better our situation and, and, and help our team and do, do my job. Um, you know, I feel like that was like the biggest, the biggest thing, you know, with, you know, with Brad, like, you know, uh, you know, working for him, like you, you get a good understanding of how to pr plan practice like the flow of it, you know, you're in his meetings and you're helping prepare practice. He already has a good understanding of what he wants to do, but, you know, you can kind of see his thought process and see how it works. Um, so I felt like that was all that stuff kind of came, uh, you know, pretty natural, but the whole, you know, management of, 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 of the players, of my staff, making sure everybody was uh, felt appreciated and, um, you know, that their needs were being met uh you know that was probably the, the most difficult um thing for me um you know game management as well i mean that was you know felt like i had a a, a decent grasp of it by the end of my second year first year i was spinning you know the whole like subbing and timeouts and um you know play calling and, and things like that that was that was difficult as well. But um, yeah, I'd say those two things were the biggest things. Uh, so I kind of have a couple of follow-ups. I mean, you, you touched on it briefly, but you know, G league coaching, it, it's hard, right? Cause you got a guy that's good. Somebody gets hurt. Right. And they, you, they take, you know, take one of your guys on a, on a two way or something like that. And you also have mm -hmm. the development piece of it. So how did you guys try to find that balance of, yeah, we have to do, right system stuff and that but we also need to develop these guys who might necessarily not quite be there with those skills for that system how'd you find that balance yeah i mean you're constantly evaluating um your players right um especially before they even get to you so you know before the season even happened you know my assistants were great they they, they evaluated our guys, you know, kind of gave me strengths and weaknesses of, of each, um, both offensively and defensively. And, you know, I wouldn't say we were um, a carbon copy necessarily of what the Celtics did, but, um, you know, I fit what the Celtics did with our players, you know, like I wasn't going to maybe run everything that Brad ran, Um you know, because like you said, like their skill sets may not call for that. So, but if there was something that fit our player's skill set, like that was for sure in, um, you know, same thing defensively, you know, we weren't going to have um, the complete package of what we did, even as simple as it was, um, we simplified it even more, um, you know, for our guys. So, so again, like, you know, we're, you know, they're all essentially rookies, rookies, second year guys especially at that time in the, in the, in the G league and where it was um, there's, there's more vets now because of the amount of um, money that is put into it. But, you know, my first year, I think everybody, including my staff, were all first year players. Um, you know, might've been one or two guys that had played one or two years overseas prior to that, but you know, we we're all first and second year or first year guys. Like, you know, if you're putting all this complex stuff, like it's going to be hard, you know, like to your point. So just like from a mental standpoint, so, you know, really teaching them um, how to play and how to play professionally in terms of like giving them a good base on, you know, what terminology is, you know, what basic uh, pick and roll defense is in the NBA, uh, basic offense in the NBA. Um, so that when they hopefully would go to other teams, um, they would have a, a, a decent base behind them, you know? Um, I, but I think outside of that too, like you're teaching them 
you know, how to be practice players. Um, you're teaching them winning habits. Um, you know, not just teaching them how to score because when they do hopefully get, get a call up, you know, they, you know, the guy that averaged 30 points on your G League team, he ain't averaging 30 points on your NBA team. Like he's lucky if he's going to get in, you know, two minutes here, one minute there. So you better be a great practice player, you know, in order to stick around for a second 10 day or hopefully stick around for the rest of the year. So, you know, we really try to stress, you know, what are your practice habits like? You know, if you take care of that, you know, you're going to develop at a faster rate, which is going to help your game, you know, which is then going to help um, get you to where you want to go, you know? So. All right. So I wanted to, to kind of go into the, the, the scouting of, of teams and, and not necessarily players, but more, more teams. Um, what are some of the keys you feel that make for – putting together, being, being an effective scout, being an efficient scout, scouting reports, all that, right? Because that's a big part of it, the efficiency of it, right? There's so much stuff that goes on in the game. You could have thousands and thousands of things, right? Like anybody who's ever clipped a high school game or, a, you know, whatever, yeah. could have all kinds of things. So what were some of those keys that went into having, being effective and efficient when you're doing scouts and looking at other teams? Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things is, um, you know, the rate at which teams are running certain actions, you know, don't get consumed by, you know, something that a team ran one time in, you know, five games. Um, you know, we would always have frequency charts. So, you know, they did this X amount of times. They did this, you know, 10 times. They did this five times. So you had a good understanding of what their offense really consisted of. And, you know, there's actions within actions, right? So, you know, um, if they did, you know, a wide pin to a step up, pick and roll, um, you know, you know, 15 times. And if they did something else to a step up, pick and roll, um, you know, 10 times or whatever it is, you know, like, so, you know, okay, you know, I'm not sure which action we're going to run. We're probably going to run, we're going to walk through, um, the one they ran the most, but we got to make sure that we get, you know, step ups in, or we got to make sure we get um, a Nash dribble in on the baseline because this guy likes to do that, or we got to make sure we do this. So, you know, I, I feel like just, again, just knowing the rate at which teams are running stuff, the better. And then if you can figure it out, like what their efficiency is to, uh, you know, in those types of plays, you know what I mean? So um, those are the main things that I'm kind of looking at. Um, and scouting. And then, like I said, just, you know, what does our system look like against this? And will their actions give our system um, any problems? And then if it does, you know, what do we have to, uh, what techniques do we have to do to, to better that or, or, or negate that? And then, you know, what matchups can we manipulate um, to make our system work a little bit better? Um, I'd say those are the those are the main things um, you know I'm really focused on with scouting. So I I kind of wanted to hit on you know when when you were scouting you know was it ever hard for you not to be in that coaching role like did you ever kind of you know during that time you were a scout ever think like man I I miss the coaching aspect of it I miss you know when you were you know more on, on the professional scouting side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, you know, that change was, was, uh, obviously difficult for me. I, you know, I was in Boston for a long time, was around a lot of really great people, um, really cared for the organization. Um, yeah. I mean, when, uh, you know, you're, you're in it, right. Like you're an assistant coach you're or you're doing video or, you're the head Geely coach, you know, like you're, you're, yes, you're a coach, but you know, you're, you're working with amazing people. You're, 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 you're with uh, players, you know, you're with the staff, you know, you're hanging out on the plane, you're hanging out, um, you know, in the locker room, uh, you're going out to dinners, you know, and just, you know, then, you know, you go from that and, you know, having a, a, a major voice um, in all the, in all of that, 
uh, to all of a sudden now you're just um, by yourself, you know, um, on the road, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, on the plane by yourself, at the games by yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was very it was very difficult yeah very difficult i mean you're still scouting right you're still in the nba yeah um you're still around all that stuff and there's a ton of people that would kill for that job and i was really appreciative of it um but i'd gotta be lying if i said that it wasn't it wasn't hard you know um i mean you're coming from i mean i had my dream job you know working for brad working for danny working for the players in the Boston Celtics. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So be- before I get into the the experience, obviously now with the Pistons, you know, you kind of just made me think something. Did you ever, you know, did you ever think back to, you know, you were the, the moment you kind of, did you ever just have a moment where you looked around and you're like, I'm coaching in the NBA. I remember, I remember playing oh. in my games now i'm now here i am i'm I'm coaching in the boston knicks game yeah no yeah it was the first game i sat behind the bench was against chicago in chicago wow um so that was i mean that was circumstances were were um weren't great um but it was uh like coach had to leave for a funeral but um yeah, I mean that. Just having that, you know, that being my first game there. You know, I'm in the United Center. You know, the, um, you know, the starting lineup song is on. Uh, you see the banners. You know, my parents are sitting in the stands. My wife was at the game. Um, yeah, it was, it was wild. You know, like you're, and you're, you know, you're in the Boston Garden and you're playing LeBron James in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even to now, even now, like, I mean, there's just constant imposter syndrome going on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is I never like sought out to do this. You know, like it was never like I want to be an NBA coach. Um, you know, I wanted to be an assistant at Pat's at St. Pat's or take over my own program one day. Um, you know, but, you know, working for Doug, um, you know, opened up an opportunity and, you know, working for Sonny opened up an opportunity, working for Tim opened up an opportunity. And then also, you know, just saying yes and, and trying to add value at the different places that you are um, led me to Boston, you know, and, and it was very fortunate to, to first work for Doc and being around him and his staff and all those guys working for Danny Ainge and, and his staff who obviously does a tremendous job and, and is a great, uh, uh, does a great job with organizational culture and things like that and making everybody feel good and, and appreciated. And then, you know, Brad is, Brad Stevens is, I've already, you know, talked about is, is, is unbelievable and, you know, everything you would think it would be. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was tons of time. I mean, like, you know, working with guys, even now, like, you know, you're on the court working with Cade Cunningham or Jaden Ivey or Isaiah Stewart and, you know, just trying to help them and help their careers. Um, and then when you can, it's just like, wow, I can't believe I'm you're in the Pistons facility. There's the championship banners up. You're working with a guy like Coach Casey. Um, yeah, it was, it's been fantastic. It's, it's crazy. Wow. So I, I, the way I want to kind of drive this question more, um, you know, being with the Pistons now is, is maybe more in the hiring process and, and kind of taking our listeners through, you know, what the hiring process is like for, you know, to join an NBA organization. Obviously, you were with the Celtics for a long time in a variety of roles. And, you know, here you are now um, with the Pistons. So if you could maybe take our listeners just a little bit into, you know, how that how that kind of happens in the NBA, because obviously that looks a little bit different than, you know, if Todd and I apply to a high school job or a local collegiate job um, and, and just kind of that process of going from the Celtics to now the Pistons. Yeah. I mean, you know, you guys know, like in anything in this business, it's about um, who, you know, and what, you know, and um, 
at very, you know, at different levels, um, that's at varying degrees, you know, like college, it might be about a little bit more about who, you know, um, you know, in the NBA it might be a little bit more about, uh, what, you know, um, for me and my, in my circumstance here, it was all about who I knew, um, Jerome Allen, um, is an assistant coach here in Detroit. Um, we worked together in, uh, in Boston for six or seven years, something like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was really the one that kind of put me on, you know, put me in front of coach Casey. Um, you know, when I was in Boston, I never, I was never, you know, trying to leave there. Um, so I was never, you know, really worried about, you know, networking and, um, you know, kind of getting my name out there. Um, you know, to kind of better myself. Cause I always just felt like, um, you know, I was going to be there, you know, cause I was there, I mean, I was there for 11 years. So, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, should have probably done a little bit more of that, but I didn't honestly didn't really want to, to, to do any of that stuff either. Um, uh, wasn't really comfortable with it. So, um, you know, last year probably hurt me, you know, a lot because, um, not a lot of people knew who I was, but, um, you know, Jerome, Jerome is the one that really, um, helped me in and helped me help put me on there, um, in Detroit, um, Jerome, Jerome's great, you know, another, um, master teacher, um, you know, played in the NBA, played overseas, um, coached at Penn, assistant at, at, uh, Boston. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was as simple as, you know, they had an opening, um, you know, he, he was uh, taking over the defensive coordinating position and he needed, he needed some, uh, he needed somebody that to, to, to help him and, and, and work with him. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, as simple as that. All right. Last question here before we get into our last two segments here. Um, the World Cup qualifiers, USA basketball um, under, under coach Boylan. Just wanted to talk to you a little bit about give, give our listeners a little maybe if they didn't see it as much, right? Because sometimes it gets it gets caught up in in other things. Uh, it goes on at the same time as a, a, a lot of stuff, but um, you know that 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 experience and, and just just the team and, and kind of how thing how things went and how things are going and where USA basketball is going here coming up. Yeah. So. Um... Last year, I was fortunate to, you know, uh, I was out of coaching. I was um, in a more of a scouting role, um, but it opened up an opportunity for me to work uh, for USA Basketball and in their World Cup qualifiers. So, um, you know, you have to play in all these qualifying games in order to qualify for the World Cup, even if you had already won the Olympics or, you know, they didn't win the World Cup prior to that, but um, you know, even if you had won the Olympics prior, so, um, you got to play in all these, these, you know, two games here, two games there. Um, we played two games last year in, in Mexico, uh, around Thanksgiving last year, played in two games in DC around, uh, Valentine's day. Um, you know, this year, um, they played four games in summer, uh, here, um, they need one more game to win to qualify. Um, number one, like that is just outstanding basketball. Like there's, you know, there's the NBA playoffs and the finals, NCAA, uh, IHSA, March Madness, like all that stuff is high level. Um, this stuff is extremely competitive. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of stakes and, you know, not a lot of people know about it. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's one of the most competitive, uh, situations I've ever been in in my life because of that, because of the amount of pressure that are put in all these games, a ton of preparation, uh, that goes into it. And, you know, on top of it, you know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not bringing Kevin Durant, you know, you're not bringing Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Chris, you know, Devin Booker, you know, all those guys, you know, um, you know, which, which, you know, would make it difficult, but the guys that they bring are, are, are high class, high quality guys, um, who have a good understanding of, of what it takes. And, 
Um, you know, Jim, Jim was the coach. Um, he's the catalyst of all of that. Um, he does an amazing job of getting them to understand what the FIBA game is and how different it is from what our guys in the U.S. are used to and giving them the sense of urgency that they need uh, to go out and win the game and the level of preparation that they need to win. They need to win. Um, you know, I was, I worked very closely with him. He, he, Jim is like, like my brother now. He's, um, he's, he, 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 he's, he's been really, really, really good for me. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm going to be really excited for them. They, they just need one more win. I'm really excited for him and the rest of the staff once they get that, which you know, hopefully they get it in, in November here coming up. So, um, him and Jim Boylan and, and Sean Ford, uh, the head of USA Basketball. Um, yeah, we're very grateful for both those guys for for that opportunity. It was once in a lifetime working for those guys. So, all right. So as we get into our last two segments, the first one we call Thirty Second Timeout. I'm I'm sure you've heard us uh, as a listener talk talk through this segment before. Um, this is kind of your opportunity to talk about whatever you want, um, whether it be, um, you know, your family, your experience in the game, um, something you want our listeners to know about. Um, we've had some guests turn it on us and ask us questions. Um, so as, as I know, Todd has said to guests before, kind of your dime, your dance floor. Uh, yeah. So, um, I was thinking about this, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I, I get asked a lot, like, um, you know, just how to, whether, you know, succeed in, in, in the business, maybe at the level that I'm at, um, you know, like how I kind of got here, got, got to do what I'm doing. Cause you know, that's not like, um, you know, didn't play, you know, didn't look, doesn't look like I played, you know, um, wasn't really playing when I did play, you know what I mean? So, um, so just kind of like, you know, guys will come up to me, young guys, you know, just how, how did you get to here? You know, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell them, yeah, you know, some, some of the stuff we talked about or, um, you know, some different things like, you know, adding value and things like that. I, I, I think something that's not talked about a lot in, uh, in coaching, especially is, you know, you know, if you want to get married, you know, who, who is that person and, and will they give you the, the, the ability to be successful too? Um, you know, I, 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 you know, grew up, you know, I don't heard my dad speak about my mom, um, you know, earlier, um, she was a great, uh, um, you know, I want to say template, but I don't know what else to say a template for me in terms of like, um, you know, what that kind of looks like. Um, you know, you can't do your job well if, you know, everything is kind of in disarray at home or, you know, she's feeling, you know, badly or not settled about where you are. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, I think that type of stuff isn't talked about a lot and it's extremely important just making sure that before you get into this profession, you know, that person's on, on your page and, that they're on board with, with this lifestyle too. Cause it is, um, you know, it's a crazy type of lifestyle. My wife has been, um, outstanding, extremely supportive, um, you know, and everything that we've done, you know, we, you know, we're fortunate to live in Boston for 11 years, but, you know, we're moving to Maine for two years. Um, that was a move. And then, um, you know, moving from Boston to back to Chicago now in a year, moving from Chicago to Detroit, um, you know, that stuff can be very difficult, but, um, you know, if you have the right person and that person understands, you know, what this really is and is on board and supportive of that, it could be made, um, a lot easier, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'd say that, you know, that's the one kind of thing that I've never really talked about that I think is kind of really important, especially in, in this profession. And I've, you know, known two of the best uh, ever in that area, my mom and and uh, my wife, Julie, so. Look at that, Todd. He gave a shout out to his mom and his wife in the same 30 second time out. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of bonus points How come holiday Damn. time. That's a lot. Yeah, anybody take nah, away but, anything, that's, 
that's yeah. that might be the key part of the whole the whole episode. Yeah, but that's that's true though. You know, yeah, like, you some know, guys absolutely. some guys have to get out of it sometimes because of there's such a strain, um, you know, on their family. You know, and I mean, my daughter, my daughter, again, we've lived in Boston for eleven years. Um, my daughter's eight. She's been to four different schools. Yep. You know, a lot of it's because of our move to Maine and, uh, you know, COVID was, it was, a, you know, we had to do something different for COVID and then, you know, and then, you know, then the last two years we've been in two different cities. So, um, you know, if, 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 if that person's not on board with, with what you're doing, um, you can't do your job effectively. Your house is going to be, um, in disarray. I mean, your house by being your family, you know? Um, yeah. so that's, that's stuff. That stuff's really important. And, and yeah. all jokes aside, you know, Todd and I have had this conversation and, and we actually had it on air, I recall, with Matt Monroe and, and just the reasons that people are leaving the profession, whether it's professional, whether it's college, whether it's high school, you know, it, and family is a big part of it and the time commitment is a big part of it. So all jokes aside, you, you're 100% correct. Um, in yeah. That yeah. All right, let's get down to the real hard hitting questions now. If you, oh, yes. If you thought these ones, the <laughs> ones before were hard, now some real hard hitting questions, quick hitters, rapid fire, throw them at you. Um, first one, your best high school basketball story. Oh man. Um, is that like in a game or practice? Whatever, or whatever you want. Could be out yeah. of practice. Could be something, gonna, something your dad whatever. did. Uh, you can throw you, a bus ride, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it PG. I mean, we, we, uh, <laughs> We we played we we had a lot of big time games uh, when I played at St. Pat's. Um, you know, obviously, you guys talked at length about the Notre Dame games and stuff like that. That's that's constant, you know, every single year. Um, but the biggest game, you know, Notre Dame, St. Joe's. Um, but the biggest game that we played, I felt like, was my junior year in the regular season was my junior year against Holy Cross. Um, does it's not even open anymore. Um, it was the Battle of Belmont. Um, and they were maybe two miles from our school. Um, but they weren't very good, like, for a long, long time. And then they got, you know, Jawad Gage and a couple other guys that were really, really good. And they were ranked, I believe, in, like, the top ten. And when we were ranked maybe 12th in the state, something like that. And the place was absolutely packed. I've never seen a gym like that before. And if you guys, you know, a lot of guys have seen St. Pat's, like it's a pretty small gym. Obviously the student sections on, on the court. Um, but I mean, the entire side of the floor was all students and then it bled onto the baselines. And then there was people in the auxiliary gym um, watching from a feed as well. There's people dangling their feet dangling from the balcony and um, you know, people, people talk about even now, like um, it was a kind of a back and forth game and Dave Kleinschmidt, Tommy Kleinschmidt's uh, brother um, hit a corner three um, uh, to put us ahead. I've never heard a place louder in my entire life. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, that was one of the coolest uh, basketball experiences I've, I've ever had just being, part of that game and uh and 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 witnessing and hearing that it was it was it was unbelievable so all right so we're gonna kind of flip it now so just with all your pro experience here maybe your worst airport or airplane store travel story yeah um so i'll give you two um because one involves a high school coach in the area so I worked at DePaul, um, like I said, uh, for Coach Bruno, but I was also a GA for the men's team. Um, and Tommy Kleinschmidt was on the staff. And we were flying down. I think it was, I forget exactly where it was. It might have been like Puerto Rico or somewhere. It was somewhere in the Caribbean. So it was a long flight. And um, all of a sudden we get all this crazy turbulence. Um, and we're kind of rocking back and forth. And, and Tommy was in the bathroom uh, at the time. And so he comes out to get back to the seat. And we hit the biggest bump of turbulence I've ever felt in my entire life. And Tommy goes flying up into the air 
near damn near his back was damn near like on the ceiling of the airplane. I mean, if people know Tommy, like Tommy's a tall guy. So like, like the fact that it just lifted him off the ground and threw him in the air, like, it was crazy. Um, so I, I was really nervous about, about that one. Um, the other one was just, um, one of the road trips, we had a bomb threat on our flight in mid flight. Um, yeah, that was, that was really scary. Um, we landed, we had to like go through, um, like some FBI stuff. Like they had to search us to make sure we weren't a part of it. Um, but in the air, like, I mean, I was really scared. Like, uh, looking at pictures of my kids, you know, they had shut the, but something with the Wi-Fi. the Wi-Fi wasn't working. So I couldn't text my wife, but, um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was a crazy, crazy experience for sure. All right, your favorite place or maybe thing to do to escape coaching? Like you're getting away, you, you have some yeah. time, not thinking about it. What do you um, do? Where are you yeah, going? I mean, I, I like to run. Um, but, you know, I'm probably, probably thinking about coaching a lot there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like being with my kids. Like I, I like when I'm home. Excuse me. When I'm home, I like being present, you know. Um, I like getting in early. To the office making sure i can get all my work done um and be home at a certain time so that i could be there uh you know for them and make sure that i'm present for for both them and my wife so um yeah i'd say the biggest escape is probably um my kids and just being with them um you know talking to them playing with them seeing how their day went stuff like that so um got four of them four of them rugrats so uh they, they keep me busy you know when i'm home so Try to try to be present when I when I can with them. So. Full, full zone defense going on, right? Full the full zone. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so four on two. Um, all right. So I made the mistake of asking your dad steak or seafood, and he turned it into the food <laughs> he'd get at Galvin's. So I'm gonna tweak this for you and say maybe your favorite Irish type cuisine. Um. Yeah, is Miller Light a cuisine? Well, it no, can be. No, no, sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I'm down no, with that. I mean, I, I don't. I, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think the closest thing I eat to Irish food is you know potatoes and stuff like that. So I mean, I mean, I guess I just would say some type of uh, potato, but I don't eat like corned beef and hash or anything like that. So um, yeah, sorry, I'm not. I'm not really sure. We'll, we'll stick with the Miller Lite. That can be main course. Breakfast. <laughs> that can be appetizer. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right. So how, how are you cooking your steak? How do you like your steak? Oh, uh, medium rare. Yeah. Medium oh, rare right. for sure. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. All right. And so. we, we had to finish with a question like this because it wouldn't be a, a, a Todd and John episode if we didn't ask a question like, if you had to, would you get a piercing or a tattoo? <laughs> um probably i mean i i had a piercing actually uh right after my high school career at st pat's i think it was like a like a subtle rebellion uh <laughs> yeah against my father and uh he looked at me like what the you know the, what you know so um yeah it's, i'd probably say that just because if i wanted to close it i just would take it out you know um yeah that's probably what i would do I'm not a big, that's, that's, uh, it's just, it's not, that's not me. So it's not for me. So I did the same thing. I got double bling kind of just <laughs> little poke at my dad. Everything. So uh, when I, when I got out of high school, so, well, coach, we yeah. can't thank you enough for, for taking the time. We know you're getting, you're about to get real busy here. Um, getting ready for your season. You know, you're, you're kind of always busy, but now things are really heating up. You're about to get going. You can, can see it right in front of you. So we can't thank you enough for, for joining us and, and taking us through your experiences and so much good stuff that, that our listeners can take away and, and use for themselves. We appreciate it so much. No, again, thank you. Thanks guys for having me on. I, you know, been a long time listener of, uh, of your podcast. I love, you know, staying in touch with, with, you know, what's going on in the area. And, um, you know, I love high school basketball. It was a big part of my life still is, um so yeah i appreciate you guys and, and everything you guys are doing thank you
thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in concert with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Please remember to give us a five-star rating wherever you may listen. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout and subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.